Hi, I'm Sharon Davis, Chief Executive of Young Enterprise, and welcome to Series 3 of Enterprising Mindsets, Minding Your Money. We'll be exploring the often overlooked role that mindset plays in building financial capability and the significant benefits to be gained from understanding the impact that our attitudes, beliefs and values have on our behaviours around money. I'm hoping that we'll discover new ways to help young people build a money-related mindset and also explore the contribution that this could then have in increasing social mobility in the future. I'm delighted to introduce two guests today, Faye Gibney and Zoe Redmill. Now, Faye is Deputy Head at Shawley Community Primary School, having previously been Vice Principal at Cheam Park Farm Primary School, whereas Financial Champion, she helped the school achieve Centre of Excellence status for financial education. Zoe is a qualified accountant, having previously worked as an auditor at PwC and over 10 years as a partner at an auditor and accountancy practice. In 2018, Zoe retrained to become a maths teacher and now works at the Romsey School in Hampshire, a centre of excellence for financial education and has taken on the role of financial champion for the whole school. Welcome to Minding Your Money, Faye and Zoe. Hello. Hello. It's brilliant to have you both here. Thank you so much for your time. I'm going to start by asking you both the same question and I'm going to come to you, Faye. Who and what were your early memorable influences that informed your attitude and mindset around money? I think if I recall my earliest kind of memory of money, it would definitely be on my mum. And I think growing up, money wasn't always, you know, the easiest to come by. Money could be quite tight and we'd have to budget and really save. And I think from an early age, Age, I always appreciated money and understanding um, that the value of money and the value that it doesn't just grow on trees. We can't just go out and buy whatever we want. We would have to save for it. So I think, you know, I learned some really good skills there um, yeah, from my mum. Zoe, what about you? I think for me as well, it was my mother. From early primary school, my um, mum worked uh, mornings and then she worked one afternoon a week. And she always explained to us that that afternoon was to pay for our extra activities. So it was our brownies, our music. Mm that sort of thing and I think um, telling me that it was that extra piece of work that I didn't necessarily want her to do um, but was creating that those that fund that meant um, I could do these extra activities meant I could see a direct link between earning money and then having that money available to spend. Isn't that so interesting that both of you uh, your mothers were so important and central in your kind of early mindset about about money that's fascinating and in what ways I'm going to come to you Faye first in what ways do you think that those early influences have stuck with you regards that emotional relationship with money now um I think I would definitely hope that I have a positive relationship with money um but I think it's it's definitely the relationship that hard work will kind of you will reap the rewards from that So I think knowing that, you know, I was always very much driven to work as hard as I could to be the best that I could so that I'd be able to get the job that I wanted and to be able to earn the money so that perhaps I didn't have to scrimp and save as much as I did when um, perhaps I was growing up and that I can ensure that my future was bright and, um, you know, my daughter's future, she wouldn't have to have the same kind of perhaps money worries that I had. So I think it's definitely stuck with me that evidence of or that relationship between working hard and um, earning earning money there as well. And is that similar for, for you, Zoe, or different? Yes, really similar. I think um, I my attitude, I think, is probably similar to my mother's, that I um, work in order to enjoy the things that I want to do in life um, rather than living for my work. I've always enjoyed the work that I've done, um, but actually 
knowing that uh, the work that I'm doing is enabling me to have the lifestyle that I want um, is definitely something that has stuck with me. Now, I know you're both from Young Enterprise Centre of Excellence schools. So would you be able to give the listener an idea about what being a centre of excellence means to you and your young people? I'm going to come to you first, Zoe. Uh, Yes, being a centre of excellence gives us access to high quality teaching resources and also to um, expertise. And what this has allowed us to do is build a framework of financial education, which runs through the whole school. Um, It starts in year seven, it goes all the way up right through uh, the different year groups. Groups, and we have different focus within each year group, um, but it's also in the maths department and beyond. We have um, maths education or financial education in uh, in our actual maths lessons, but also uh, through our tutor time, through our um, careers department, and also through our um, PSHFE education as well. That's brilliant. And isn't there a, there's a certain percentage of finance related context questions, aren't there, within maths? Uh, yes, certainly. Yes. In the exams, um, students are asked uh, about interest rates. They're asked um, about uh, depreciation, um, profit, uh, that sort of thing is within uh, their GCSE exams. Yes. So it's really important to be able to teach maths within a financial education context. Yes, absolutely. And Faye, what about a centre of excellence primary school? How does that differ from what Zoe was talking about? I think it's quite similar in some ways in the sense of having that support from the Centre of Excellence team and having an assigned experience education consultant who is able to support us through that process and to be able to really unpick and look through the planning framework and know how we can embed that within our curriculum offer that we give. I think there are not many schools that I am aware of that are delivering a financial education curriculum from the early years, which is what we've done at Cheam Park Farm and across the school within our um, within the Leo Academy Trust and I think that's vital to get you know those conversations happening from children as young as three four five to ensure that they're developing those positive relationship with money that will stick with them um, throughout their their entire lives and I think we definitely have a job as primary school to ensure that our children are prepared to take that next step into secondary school and when they start learning more about um, you know the secondary financial plan framework that we have but I think it's it's the support that you get from being a centre of excellence school that you don't ever feel like you're just given this scheme of work that you have to try and embed and develop yourself you've always got someone there and a team of people whether it's that one person that's been assigned to you that will support you throughout that whole process and I'd say for us you know the person that we had was absolutely vital to ensure that we have developed it and embedded it now throughout our curriculum and it's not just delivered as a standalone financial education lesson that happens every now and then you know we have weaved it throughout our curriculum of course it links very well with our PSHE um, and our maths but finding ways that we can link it into other areas of the curriculum as well. And as teachers working with children and young people every day I'm interested to understand your perspectives on the importance of young people developing that mindset to money, uh, an appropriate mindset to money, and how this can then impact on their financial capability. Faye, I'm going to come to you first in primary school, if I may. Definitely. I, I think it's so important um, because they it's not, you know, they will hear about money all of the time. It doesn't just happen when they join secondary school. It doesn't just happen when they first start getting pocket money. You know, children will be in home environments where they are 
are hearing conversations about money all of the time. And they might not necessarily always be positive conversations. And if that's the only um, exposure that they're getting to a financial um, perspective on what it's like to have money or the relationships that you can develop with money, you know, I'd say we're actually not giving our children the best chance that they can of being successful in their lives and to develop those relationships. So I think it is absolutely important and it does have a big impact on the financial capability our children can have as they move throughout into their secondary and adult life. It's so inspiring to hear that passion there, Faye. Um, Zoe, what about secondary school? I mean, what are, you, what are your thoughts about the link between mindset to money and then how it goes on to impact their financial capability? I think what we see at secondary school is that um, the year sevens um, arrive with us and they're really interested in that sort of physical uh, banking system. They've seen perhaps um, pocket money, they've seen um, cash paid onto a a prepaid card for them and um, they're really getting used to how that works. Um, But by the end of secondary, their interest has really um, shifted and they really have got an interest in how much jobs are going to pay them, how rent is going to work, how mortgage is going to work. And um, and then moving on to how tax um, is going to be deducted uh, from them. So I think we we see that mindset uh, changing almost from the things that they are interested in right now to starting to understand that wider. Actually, this is going to affect me for um, a, a greater period of my life, and um, seeing that that change. And as as Faye said about the influence of the household's uh, attitude to money, um, it, it, it is fascinating. And when you are talking to students, they can't help almost but reflect the attitudes within their house, whether it's something that they're comfortable talking about or um, is actually quite difficult for that household. And we do try to make sure that we are uh, sensitive to um, all the, the family circumstances. So not assuming that everyone has po- pocket money. And- of course. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I had a really interesting example recently where we were talking about what bills might come out of a bank account and um, we were talking about gas and electricity as a possible bill and one girl said, well, no, that doesn't that doesn't come out of the bank. Um, we go to the shop and we, we uh, top up our card. Smart card, yeah. The, the key, exactly. So even something that is generally assumed to be taken from the, the, the bank account, of course, that's not the case for every household. Absolutely. And what role do you think that applied learning has in making financial education stick and then go on to change behaviours, do you think? I mean, I'll, I'll come to you first. Zoe, actually, you know, you were talking about it's what you need now and then going on to apply it into the future. Uh, yes, I think um, when when you are doing uh, sessions on financial education, it really helps that if students have something to understand uh, from their own lives and then can just look a little bit further. So we will, um, for example, if we're talking about uh, the need for insurance, we would often talk about something like pets, which they can relate to. And then um, later on in that lesson, we might talk about um, life cover and other types of insurance that uh, they can now see, oh, why might I need that um, because you've related it to something that they do understand now and perhaps their families have talked about. So yes, putting it in that real context for them can be very helpful. So kind of now, near and next. Mm, abs- absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, so Faye, as a, as a primary teacher, you're working with young people at some of their most formative stages of their lives and research tells us that young people begin forming their 
mindset towards money by the age of seven, how can we best support this crucial stage within primary schools? We have to make it a priority in our primary curriculum, because if we don't, if we don't value the time that we're going to deliver it to our pupils, it just becomes an add-on. We're just paying lip service to it. Oh, we need to teach a financial education lesson. Let's squeeze it in here. And if we do that, our children won't develop those skills in their long-term memory. They won't develop those positive relationships that we know we want to foster if we aren't allowing the time, allowing teachers the time to plan for it, you know, allowing teachers the opportunity within their timetables to dedicate to delivering these high quality financial education lessons. So then our pupils are able to really develop those skills, but not only develop them, build on them as they move throughout the primary school and then move on even further when they move into secondary education as well. So I think you've just got to make it a priority. And I know that is hard because teachers, you know, have an incredible job to try and fit in the national curriculum. And at primary school, financial education is an add-on apart from obviously the maths curriculum side of it with your coins and notes. But I think that's just something within our trust and our schools. We've decided that this is really key. This is vital this is a life skill that we want our pupils to take with them when they move on to secondary school. And Zoe, listening to that, you'll then see young people at their next stage of their school career, where possibly young people have more exposure to other influences on their mindset to money. Are there any noticeable changes in attitudes or behaviours towards money from year seven to when they leave you? The year sevens are more focused on the the physicality of the system and the process. And we actually build that into our teaching to widen as we go through the years uh, so that by the time we're getting to year 10, for example, we're really focusing on that next stage of how income is taxed and uh, what governments are going to do with that tax money. And so I think the um, positive attitude that we're trying to build throughout and that uh, positive understanding understanding of where those, uh, how we can earn the money, what sort of jobs we might do in terms, in order to earn the the type of money we would like to be able to spend, we we really see by the time they get into year 10, they are understanding that what they earn is going to have a direct uh, relationship to what they're going to be able to afford to spend and also about what sort of things they might choose to spend their money on. So we will discuss uh, trickier topics around, um, for example, um, betting uh, is something that um, we, we do uh, touch on because by the time they're getting to year 10, it's something that you um, you want to make sure that they are aware of the impact that can have on people's lives. Because they are being exposed to it through other platforms, Absolutely. aren't they? Yes, uh, through advertising. Um, it's, um, they're, they're pretty knowledgeable, but are they really knowledgeable about the impact it can have on your life if it's out of control? And it's interesting. I, I would like to um, come back to the workload of teachers and, and ways that we can support teachers. But one of the key themes that have come out of, of the podcast discussion so far is the influence that parents and carers can have on young people's mindsets to money. Where do you feel the balance is between financial education in the home and within schools? I'll come to you first, Faye. I think obviously as teachers, we do our best to impart the curriculum that we have planned to our children but actually parents probably they have the biggest roles to play and I think that's really important that schools develop these positive relationships with parents and that parents are informed of what we are teaching our children so then they can support this they can um, further develop this at home because if you think about the um, kind of the criteria within the planning framework if our children are learning about how to spend money how to save keeping track of their money 
um, how to look after it, how to, where does it come from? All their real life experiences will happen in the home, will happen outside of school. So, you know, parents have that vital role to be able to follow on from the positive discussions that we have. You know, for example, thinking about some lessons that I taught with my class last year about what a need and a want is, and them understanding that actually having that brand new pair of very expensive trainers is a need, it is a want, sorry. Um, you know, you need, you might need a pair of shoes to wear on your feet, but you don't need the ones that cost a hundred pounds. Um, and actually parents I think will value that because it's you know we are showing children that you know money doesn't buy you happiness is one of our really key things as well and having loads of money doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a happy and fulfilled life and so we're really aware of the the relationship that you know the school and parents can have and that if we can set up those positive relationships we are developing it's it's a cycle you know it has to be a relationship between home and school and it's a close relationship mm-hmm. and if that close and there's consistent messaging as well I suppose yeah. so what do you think what's your thoughts um, I absolutely agree that that home environment is always going to be a, a key driver to financial attitudes and what I hope we can do through school um, while working closely with parents is provide unbiased information and to uh, give students the tools to understand uh, perhaps the discussions that are happening within the home. Um, we have received uh, feedback that both students and parents really value uh, the opportunity that our financial education provides to open conversations and that students can um, start talking about these issues with a new level of understanding and hopefully, as Faye says, get uh, get their parents involved in um, talking about finances, talking about as you say, needs or wants or um, decisions that are being made within the household uh, with a new level of understanding. And just going back to the conversation that we touched on around the workload of teachers, particularly post-pandemic, the uh, catch-up curriculum, um, supporting young people to, to come back physically into schools, incredible workload that teachers and pressures teachers are under what what can we do do you think to support more teachers and schools to embed financial education into the curriculum let's go to you first zoe we uh, really value the uh, My Money Week resources and um, the ability uh, for teachers to have that uh, sort of information and by providing teachers a lesson but with also with more background information they are they feel confident because they've read around the subject perhaps uh, to deliver that that lesson and I think it's it's really important for teachers to feel that it's something they're confident to talk about because a number of people could have difficult uh, relationships with money themselves and they're being asked to deliver a lesson that actually might make them feel out their comfort zone so um, yeah having access to those really good quality resources does make a difference. So good quality resources and training Absolutely. and support to be able yep. to feel confident to deliver that financial education. Yes, because students can ask so many different questions when you start um, a lesson that you thought was going to be about, I don't know, insurance. You can end up uh, talking about so much else and, and, and feeling confident to fill those questions or say, I don't know, um, let's look that up is, um, is really key, I think. And Faye, what are your thoughts about what we can do in primary schools to support teachers to embed financial education? I think I agree um, very much with what Zoe has said. So it's, it's the resources that we have. Um, so to be able to provide teachers with lessons that you know are high quality, they've been quality assured, we've done part of the groundwork already for them. And then it's just for teachers to adapt that to the 
needs of their class or to adapt it to themselves as well. Um, again, as Zoe was saying, teachers will have different relationships towards money and we need to ensure that they have, um, they're happy to deliver those lessons and we're very mindful of that. Um, so I think the high quality resources is very, very key and obviously becoming a centre of excellence school and going through to become a centre of excellence, you do get the bursary. So I think that's, you know, if you're someone that wants to lead on financial education and budgets, as we know, are so tight. And if you think about the catch up funding that we will be given, that's probably not going to be going towards financial education. So usually people like Zoe and myself are kind of trying to fight for it and to be able to get the budgets and to move forward um, to be able to purchase resources knowing that we've got that support already there we haven't got to try and um, pitch in why we need to spend this amount of money on books or on um, lessons you know that's that's part of it side of it's been taken care of my last question I have so many more questions but my, I guess we need to kind of bring it to a close and my last question is more about a kind of the bigger picture I guess that financial capability can make to social mobility both of you play critical parts in our children and young people's lives. There is very little research out there at the moment that links financial capability with social mobility, with the potential to progress from whatever your starting point. At Young Enterprise, we think there is a link to explore. I'm very keen to hear your views uh, individually on what you feel the contribution that financial capability could make to social mobility. And Faye, if I may, I'm going to come to you first. I think I agree. I mean, I would love to delve deeper into that and kind of be part of that research because I do believe that, you know, if you are providing children, you know, children from primary age with as, you know, those unbiased views that we have, but that curriculum that's there that they perhaps wouldn't have had, that their parents wouldn't have had when they were perhaps at school either. Um, I think you've definitely, you're providing children with, I think it links very closely to kind of aspirations and we do a lot on career aspirations and them understanding that how we earn money we speak to every child in our school that comes through and we start you know as soon as they enter the school you know what would you do if you had this money what would you spend it on what do you want to be when you grow up and that that is so key that we support that moving through and we allow all of our pupils to have the highest aspirations they can for themselves that they can be anything they want to be but to know how they have to get there the steps that they need to make and that they've built that good relationship with money because they may not have hear those relationships at home they may not hear positive um, comments about money but knowing that that's not they don't have a ceiling you know they're not this just because this is the family that I come from this is my current kind of economic position that I live in knowing that you can break through that ceiling there is no ceiling there for you at all and that we can push through that you can move through you know social mobility doesn't matter where you're starting point is you've got that opportunity there and that's one of our biggest jobs as teachers to be able to provide children with those aspirations and to know that they can achieve anything if they put their mind to it. And that's wonderful and Zoe you then pick up the mantle in secondary school from the fantastic work of of Faye and her colleagues. What do you think in terms of secondary school and that financial capability uh, contribution that could be made to social mobility? Uh, yes, I um, totally agree with uh, what's been said. I think uh, keeping that 
um, positive mindset and providing that um, unbiased information is absolutely key. And we are also trying to provide the uh, practical tools as well. So um, helping students understand what they're going to be spending their income on, um, how debt finance works, for example. We hope that young people can um, enter society with an understanding of how they can achieve their dreams and ambitions, um, whatever their financial starting point is, just as Faye said. Faye and Zoe, thank you so much for your insights today. You've both been brilliant. Uh, Thank you so much for talking with me on Minding Your Money. Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you so much to Faye and Zoe. Uh, Thank you for joining us on Enterprising Mindsets, uh, Minding Your Money. To hear more interviews like this and access series one and two, please do subscribe to Enterprising Mindsets on your favourite podcast service. We would love you to leave us a review as well, if possible. Thank you for listening.